uh, spreading the word isn't actually wasn't very easy for me. I didn't come to faith until well into my teens, and I, 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 I did. I came to faith. I got home, and my atheist father pounded it down immediately. What have you done? What are you talking about? You're so naive. This is a crutch. Religion and, and science. He's a, he, he's a hobbyist, a hobby scientist, fascinated in science, and I just got crushed and crushed and hammered. So much so that I, uh, less than a year later, I wanted to get baptized. He threatened to put a court order on me, and my mum said, don't do that, she'll never speak to you again, um, which I would have spoken to him again, but um, it wasn't easy. And I, I naively, because I was young, made the mistake of thinking everybody would react like that. And one or two of my friends I spoke to about my faith, they seemed okay, but not interested. Um, but it, it kind of made me close up and stop talking about it because I began to doubt. I began to think I, maybe he was right. Maybe I'd been led into this cult and it was all wrong. Or, and I became very afraid of the arguments. I'm not an argumentative person at all. And I didn't like the tension that it was, it was raising in the home. Maybe some of you can relate to that. Spreading the word, I'll leave that for the evangelists. That's, it's not my forte. It's a hard thing to do. I've been through a difficult time. Maybe you're new to the faith, and God has given you the gift of faith. And you're there with Mary outside the tomb, and you're seeing the resurrected Jesus, and you're saying, Rabbi, my Lord and Master, but don't try and ask me to explain anything. I just know Jesus is alive. You've been given that in your heart. You're not yet ready to really talk about it. Maybe you, like me, have been put off by clever arguments, and it's raised doubts in your hearts or your minds, or made you afraid to share a bit more about your faith. Maybe you're fairly keen to talk to your family and friends and colleagues, but you often get the reply, which I do, oh, I'm not into religion, I'm not religious, or I was really hurt by the church, or well, I have another faith. Uh, so you kind of get a, quite a tetchy reply or, or outright animosity. Or maybe, again, you're quite confident in spreading the word about God, but your listeners could have listened politely as they nod over a beer or a cup of coffee and then move the subject on, and you end up thinking... Oh, where have I gone with this? Nothing's happened. What about Acts when everybody, thousands were saved at once? God doesn't want to leave us in that place of doubt or fear or anxiety or a sense of ineffectiveness. And there's so much in the word to help us know how to share the word, not least in these two chapters. So it's a great theme. But I want to give you three words. Let's get my what, who, how, which came to me when I was preparing for this morning. If you can just hold on to those words as I'm talking, because I'm going to say a lot, I tend to chat a lot, and you won't take everything in, but I'm praying, I have been praying that the Holy Spirit will just hook onto those three words. What you need to hear as individuals, because we're all in different places. What, who, how, and see where that leads you at the end. And when you go home, you think, what, who, how, what did God say to me about that in relation to spreading the word? So first of all, we'll look at what. What had God called Paul to do? <clears throat> well, Paul was specifically called with Barnabas to spread the word, that is, the message about Jesus, beyond the church and city of Antioch. My passages started right at the end of chapter 12, and we see that Paul was a leader in the church in Antioch. It was the biggest Gentile church, and uh, in uh, the third largest Roman city, I think, at the time. So... And we read that while they, they, that is the leaders of the church in Antioch, were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set me, 
set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So their work was to take the word of God beyond Antioch, beyond that church community, and go off on what we now call a mission trip, the first of a number that Paul did, and you'll hear more about those, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. This is where they went. I'll try and talk with the mic. So they left Antioch, which was in Syria. They went to Cyprus. They moved around there, spreading the word. That's sort of chapter 13. And then they sailed up north into Asia Minor, which is like current-day Turkey, and went to those various cities that you can see in those regions. Then the blue arrow came. They came back the way they came, except for Cyprus, and went back to Antioch and stayed there for a long time before they went off again. What has God called us to do? Well, we've definitely been called to spread the word too. It's not a unique calling for your leaders or specific gifted evangelists. Jesus said himself, go, he said to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And at the beginning of Acts, you've seen this already, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses. That's what we are, witnesses to what we've experienced in Jerusalem and Lord Judea and Samaria and to Alton and to the ends of the earth. So he said that to his disciples, which kind of rolled over into Paul and Barnabas and rolled over into Timothy and James and rolled over to us. We're now part of that response to what Jesus said. We might not be called to go on long-standing missionary trips or to speak to the masses as Paul was very gifted and equipped to do, but we're all called and anointed by the Holy Spirit to spread the word of God as far and wide as we are able to as the scattered church. Who? Who had God sent Paul to? Paul reached out to a diversity of people with the message of Jesus. If you think again of that map, there's an awful lot of different cultures and backgrounds and traditions and workplaces and men and women and elderly and young that Paul was speaking to. There were the God-fearers, the Jews, and then there were the Gentiles who worshiped the Jewish God, but neither of them knew about Jesus. Then there were the Gentiles who didn't believe in the Jewish God. There were the pagans, whoever you might call them, There were the Romans with their own gods and their war heroes and their allegiance to the empire. There were the Greeks with their gods and their history and their culture. Paul was reaching out to top officials, down to everyday workers like you and me. It was a diverse culture that he was reaching out to. What might that say to us? Who has God sent us to? Well, we pick up on that verse earlier. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the end of the earth. We, this is the easiest perhaps question for us to answer. If we just close our eyes and look at our lives, the variety of people we know, some of them we know very well, our friends, our family, our colleagues, maybe some we don't know quite so well. They live in our street and we've occasionally sort of caught their eye and said hello. Maybe there's a particular person that serves us in a checkout regularly each week and we feel we know them, we've seen them so often, but we engaging in conversation with them. I think the principle that God put on my heart today is not to restrict ourselves to a certain set group. Some people are called to a specific group, but for, for, for folk like ourselves here today, to be intentional 
about engaging with as many people as we can and not limit ourselves to a certain segment of society, a place where we feel comfortable, maybe a social class or particular education or faith background, because the message is for everyone. I've been praying that God, and I've been challenging myself too with this, will help us to look beyond the fringes of our life, to see what other connections we've got to continue spreading the word. I'm a gardener, that's one of the things I do on my day off, which is a Friday, and um, I'm a very tidy gardener, so if I'm going to plant seed, which is a big thing coming up at this time of year, I go and I rake the soil, I dig it over, I clean it of weeds, I, I, any other gardeners here? Yes, you know, you make nice little holes for certain seeds, or, or um, oh, the words escape me now, but little trenches for other types of seed. Put it all. God's not like that. You read the parable of the sower, he has a sack of corn like this and he flings it everywhere. And that's why some goes on the hard soil, and some on the stony soil, and some on the weedy soil, but some on the good soil. And I believe that's what he wants us to do today. Fling that seed. Don't be a tidy sower like I'm, Leticia. So that's what and who. I said I'd get through that quickly. They're the easy ones to answer. What about how? How did Paul spread the word of God to different people? Paul discerned how best to spread the word to others depending on who he was sharing it with. That's why we have who before how. When I first began writing um, and I started submitting book proposals to publishers and pitching articles to magazines, there was always a question, who is your reader? Who are you writing for? Oh, well, this is the word of God. It's for everybody. No, no, no. You've got to write in a particular way for a certain reader that they will say, I want that book because it's going to answer my need, my question, my reading ability, the place where I'm at in life. And Paul knew that too. He spoke to all kinds of people, but he went out of his way to understand their backgrounds, their faith, the understanding about Jesus, if they had any, to spread the word about him in a way that each one could relate to. And there's a number of examples of this in the chapters I've been given, but also throughout Acts. And the reading, thank you, that uh, Bernice brought us earlier, was uh, a way that he would address the God-fearers, the Jews and the Gentiles that believed in God, but didn't really have an understanding about Jesus. It's a preach we see reflected throughout Acts. It's very similar when he preaches to people who know God, but not Jesus. He recounted the history that they were familiar with, which Bernice, I'm sorry it was such a long reading, uh, through the, the prophets and about David and how um, Jesus came as a fulfillment of prophecy, that he fulfilled the prophecy of being crucified. There were witnesses of him being raised from the dead, and therefore they could declare him Messiah, and the only way to have forgiveness of sin and receive the gift of God's spirit. That's that reading in a nutshell. It's worth reading again. I've read it many times in preparing. It's an amazing preach. But you notice at the end, I kept that slightly strange ending about perishing. Because there were times when Paul didn't beat around the bush. He said at the end, listen to what I'm saying or you'll perish like your ancestors. And you know, I've never said that to anybody. But somebody said it to me. That's how I came to faith. I thought I was a Christian. In my day, we had assembly at school. I'd heard about God. Jesus was a baby in a manger. He was a cross, died on a cross. Apparently, he was raised from the dead. Didn't want to know anything about the Holy Ghost. Thank you very much. I thought I believed in God. I thought I was a Christian. 
And someone had the audacity to say, you're not. Even the demons believe that. That was being bold, very bold. And there are times when we need to be bold. And that's what got me asking the questions. That's what took me into church to find out he, he was absolutely right. But it's not always like that. Sometimes we do tread a bit more carefully, we're a bit more sensitive. There were other times when Paul, Paul would just share his testimony. I won't look at that today. It's somebody else's talk from Acts 22. But, you know, he, he, he was slightly less in your face. Then there were the unbelievers, which are in chapter 14. We haven't got time to look at that. But he was speaking there to the pagans and the heathens in Lystra. And he went, he didn't use that talk he gave in the synagogue. He talked about creation and, and what they depended on for life and, and tried to connect God with what the, they looked at for life which for them was very much the rain and the harvest. And, and it's something he did again in chapter 17, but tweaked slightly for a slightly more educated orga, uh, audience. Again, you see how he just changes his message depending on who he's speaking to. What we need to understand from this today, especially as we are surrounded by cynics and atheists and unbelievers with no belief in God, and many, many people now haven't even heard of Jesus or know the Bible at all, is not to use the same message every time. To begin where they are. If they haven't got that knowledge of the Bible, we begin where they are. What is it that they're trusting in for life? What is valuable to them? What are they relying on? What is futile? What might let them down? And try to draw that conversation slowly, and it takes more than one conversation, I'm sure, to get them to consider their lives, is what he does in chapter 17. The futility of worthless things. How else did Paul spread the word? He followed up on those that he'd been speaking to. That was that blue arrow going back on the map. He went back to strengthen and encourage those he'd spoken with already and those, of course, perhaps who had come to faith. And we know he'd do that through further visits and, of course, lots of letter writing. And perhaps most important, I think it is most important, is Paul depended on the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We read so often in Acts, the Holy Spirit said, they were sent on their way by the Holy Spirit. Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, said X, Y, Z. The Holy Spirit guided them where to go and sometimes blocked entry to places in Acts 16. The Holy Spirit empowered the word to make it effective to their hearers' hearts, which we read in Peter as well in chapter 4. And the Holy Spirit would sometimes accompany the preaching of the word with signs and wonders, which we see at the beginning of chapter 13, but it's one of those rabbit runs I'm not going to go down today. So how is the Holy Spirit showing us to best spread the word of God today? The reason I could confidently say just a moment ago that how Paul spread the word depended on who he was talking to is because of the evidence in Acts but also something he wrote in Corinthians. It's a little bit long, so I'll go through it quickly. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. 
To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law. He was a wordy man. My editor would edit that. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. Acts 13 to 14 definitely gives us a glimpse of Paul adapting this strategy, adapting his message to who he was talking with. I love how Luke picks that up, and he did it in his gospel too. Of course, Luke wrote Acts, as you already know. He wrote a gospel too about Jesus, and he picks this up in Jesus, how Jesus would speak differently to the farmer and the religious scribe, to the uh, disciples or a child, to uh, tax collectors or Roman officials. Jesus told stories that raised questions in people's minds. And I'm praying, that's something we can pray for, to have that gift of storytelling that bypasses their misunderstandings and their defensiveness just to draw them into his company. Anyway, we won't go on to Jesus, but it's just interesting that Jesus role modeled this and Paul is now doing it, and we can do it. Just to know there's more than one approach to spreading the word. It's not always telling people what they should believe and trying to get them to believe it, just sometimes. It's asking, who is this? What's their background, their experiences, their lifestyle, their ups and downs, their misunderstandings about faith, their opinions? What's their education, their reading ability? How can I engage with them? How can I best relate to them with God's faithfulness and love and hope, particularly in these days? with his provision and his sovereignty, particularly in these days. How can I address those questions that they've got? God's word is unchanging, so we must be careful not to dilute it. But how we share it will be different depending on who we're talking with. So for us, picking up those points that Paul raised from chapter 13 and 14, how might we share the gospel with believers in God, but not in Jesus? These might be people who believe in God, but they have no need for religion. They might say they believe in God, but they don't take steps to be a disciple of Jesus, to yield their lives to him. They may say they believe in God, but not in the teaching about Jesus and who he was. Well, we look at that reading again, and we just remember on our head, and that because I've read it so many times, I've, I've nailed it now. <laughs> We just They're familiar with the Bible, these people. They have some familiarity. You can talk about the Bible, pick up what bits about it do you know. Try and weave that together a little bit. Talk about the prophecies, particularly. You can Google those and find out how Jesus fulfilled the prophecies. One man said to me two weeks ago in my church, well, Jesus just knew the prophecies, so he fulfilled them. Jesus didn't know he would be born by a virgin or where he would be born. And I don't say that disrespectfully, not at all. Jesus couldn't have known these things to then fulfill them. So we talk about the prophecies, how he fulfilled them, that we can proclaim him as um, God's sacrifice for us. And that's a difficult one today, I admit, and it'd be another talk, teaching, wouldn't it, to talk about sacrifice and what that meant in Jesus' life. And a lot of it is a bit of a mystery. But for me, if I'm explaining it, it's an invitation to resurrection life. Knowing Jesus was a sacrifice for all the things that aren't right in our lives is inviting us to know forgiveness and to know reconciliation to God and the life we intended now 
as well as eternal life with him in heaven. Sometimes we need to be blunt and not beat about the bush, which I've already mentioned about my own testimony. Uh, other times we might simply share our, our testimony, how we came to faith or how we've encountered God in a particular situation. What about the unbelievers? Atheists, agnostics, folk from other faiths. As I say, in his day, Paul focused on creation because pagans and heathens in those days were very interested on the gifts that creation gave them for life. And I think, if anything, we're beginning to come a bit more that way ourselves because of global warming. But uh, so sometimes we have opportunity to talk about how God reveals himself through creation, but a lot of the time we won't. Keep pressing the button. I hope I'm not doing anything. A lot of the time we might not have that opportunity. But the principle is to begin where they are. Think, where is this person? As I mentioned earlier, what do they depend on? Trust in, believe in for life. Develop that conversation to consider their lives and where they're heading. And at some point, and you'll know when, you've asked that question that Jesus asked his disciples. Who do you say I am? I love that question. But you've got to say it at the right moment. And as we're prayerful in this, God will give us that right moment. Who is Jesus? Because if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, Christianity is a sham. It's nothing. And that's a big question folk have to ask. They want to know all the, all the other questions answered first. You know, that will come. You have a lifetime to answer those questions. Just get this one nailed. Who is Jesus? It takes time. But slowly but surely we come back to that. As one commentator said on Acts, it is the resurrection and exaltation of Jesus which stands at the center of the preaching of Acts. So I'm guessing it needs to be at the center of our spreading the word too. Like Paul, let's follow up. Let's keep the conversation going. Let's keep meeting with these folk. Maybe eventually do Alpha with them or share podcasts with them or books. And we need to definitely depend on the anointing of the Holy Spirit, our most important thing. Luke keeps stressing the Holy Spirit throughout the book of Acts. He demonstrates how the message, when it was preached, was made effective to the hearers' hearts, bringing them into experience of salvation. Despite all I've said, spreading the word isn't a formula. What, who, how? Unbelievers, non-believers, bold, blunt. It's no mere human achievement. It is a spirit-empowered calling. It's the spirit that gives us that gift of faith. So let's pray for each other here at church and your I don't know if you have home groups or Facebook groups or WhatsApp groups. Let's pray for your people that you want to reach out to. Pray for yourself when you know you're going to be meeting with them. Pray for the person or the group you know you're going to be meeting with and sh wanting to share the word with. And live the life. That, that's an extra one I've added on. I've added two extras. Live the life because I know Paul did. Let's live the life of the message we're trying to share. Let's face it, people aren't projects, are they? I have a tendency to think of a project, somebody to be saved. People are there to be loved with God's love and Christ's truth and reality. And we pray for salvation to come through that. But ultimately, what, I've got to, what I'm talking about has to be rooted and effective in how I'm living my life. Because people are watching us, particularly when they know that we are Christians. They're observing. And as our love for God shines through us, and we live out that love to them, it will draw them, hopefully, closer to wanting to know about God too. And let's keep growing in the knowledge of God and his word. Paul did this. 
Paul was already well-versed in the Old Testament before he came to know Jesus. He, he was a very intelligent man. And yet he took three years sort of out of the public scene learning about Jesus after he met him on the uh, Damascus Road. And even much later on in life when he's in prison, he noticed once or twice in his letters, send me my scrolls, send me my parchments. He wanted to keep growing and learning and understanding all about God that he could share it more effectively. And that challenges me to keep growing too. For me, I love reading, so I read books. You might like listening to podcasts, but particularly being in the Word, studying it with an open heart. Maybe just one verse. I have a thing, I, I, I meditate on one verse a week, every week. Let God speak to me about that. And it grows you in confidence in sharing it with others. Now, I do realize spreading the word isn't always easy. Just look what Paul suffered. Stirred up persecutions, plots against him, even stoning until he was thought to be dead. So my experience of my dad was very mild in comparison to what Paul went through. And it won't always be easy. We won't always get someone politely nodding or agreeing or wanting to know more about Jesus when we talk about him. And if for any reason, I can't talk about that at length now, but if for any reason that is holding us back from sharing the word, I, I encourage you to pray about that and just to get closer to God because the more we know God, the more passionate we are to share him with others because we just love him so much, we're desperate for others to know that love and salvation. And grow in your knowledge of the word. Just get to know Jesus and who he was. Immerse yourself in the gospels. Build up your holy faith. Uh, and it will give you spirit-filled confidence to share the word. So, what, who, how? What has God called us to do? Spread the truth about Jesus. Who has God called us to share it with? Everyone. Each of us will have different places to go this week. But we can be intentional about sharing it beyond our familiar places. How has God called us to share it? In ways that connect with our listener or our reader, if you're on social media. I was going to talk about social media, but decided this was getting a bit long. But it's a great mission field, and we mustn't ignore it, I don't think. You know, there's lots of people out there with questions about life, suffering, war pandemics, their stress. There's lots of people questioning the integrity of our government and media. Lots of people feeling insecure by the economy and, and wars, not just in Ukraine, but around the world. Many people feeling afraid and isolated. And you know, some folks saying, if there's a God, could he really forgive me? X, Y, Z. And these people, most of them with their questions aren't coming to church. They're going around looking for their answers elsewhere. And we need to be that answer. This is our calling. God, the Spirit on us is calling us to bring them the answers in Jesus. So before I close with a, a prayer, I just want you to pause and think of one person or a group you might reach out to this week. You might arrange to meet for coffee or I don't know, have a lunch with at work with someone, or I don't know who it might be, just draw alongside a family member. Who has God put on your heart today in your what, who, how? How might you understand them a little more, and how might you make another step towards sharing God's word with them?
I've recently uh, been reading about Mary Sumner, who started the Mother's Union. And you know what? In 1876, she wrote a prayer. And she wrote it, and she prayed it every day of her life. All this day, O Lord, she would pray, let me touch as many lives as possible for thee. And every life I touch, do thou by thy spirit quicken, whether through the word I speak, the prayer I breathe, or the life I live. I've adapted that prayer because I love it, and it ties in with our message today. If you feel comfortable, you might like to pray it with me. Shall we pray? All this day, O Lord, let me touch as many lives as possible for you, and may the power of your Holy Spirit bring all those I connect with into the experience of your salvation whether through the word I speak, the prayer I breathe, or the life I live. Amen. Thank you, Anne.